Okay, we're starting in three, two, one, and welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. All right, great. Jervin, do you want to give a full introduction to the podcast and yourself? Do you want to like, yeah. do you want to be in charge of this since you're sort of doing it and your camera work is so good? Yeah. Should it be uh, like a little jingle using the term famish? Yeah. Let's see what you got. All right. Give me a C. Uh, uh, um, fame. Wait, wait, you don't have a theme song? I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, we have a theme. We don't. We do have a theme song. We didn't. Sorry, oh, right. We, today we don't because you're in charge. We didn't think of that. Can we all harmonize the word famish in sort of a long drawn out thing on the count of on on one, yeah. Fame. Three, Here's what you see. On three, two, one. Three, two, one. Fame. With Jukebox the Ghost. That's good. Keep that one. Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous, a little more famous than you. Why? Yes, I'm gonna be famous. Welcome to Famous with Jukebox the Ghost. Today's guest is none other than Shervin Lanez. I actually don't know if that's how you say your last name. We've only been friends for 20 years. It is? Yeah, it really is. Shervin is a photographer. He's pretty good. He's managed to eke out a living in this complicated, complicated world. And we're going to go over all the incredible people that he's shot and things that he's done. But he was the first person that we ever paid to take photographs Yikes. of Jukebox the Ghost. So Yikes. Let's give a warm round of welcome, Shervin, to Shervin. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to be had on this. Thank you. Hey, Jukebox the Ghost, my favorite American band. Former tour manager, Shervin Linez. Whoa. Yeah. Which we will get into that for sure. Okay. I like that. Where are we starting? Let's segue right into how are you still in this business? Dude, literally every morning I ask myself this question. I, I, you know, actually I was just thinking like the other day how I live in the most competitive art market for what I do in probably definitely America, maybe the world. And I truly cannot fathom how long I've been taking pictures for bands. It's going to end soon. I mean, it has to, right? Why? It's just, it's getting, it's getting crazy. I mean, I started shooting you guys 2006. Six, 2006. And some context for our listeners. If you haven't already Googled Shervin photo with an F (laughs) dot com. Yeah. 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 I mean, the the list of clients that he has worked with, it's kind of insane that Shervin takes photos of us because Shervin has taken photos of Billie Eilish, Lizzo. Tame Impala, Fleet Foxes, The Killers, Phoebe Bridgers, Japanese Breakfast, David Byrne. Um, yeah. The list just goes on and on and on and on and on. It's crazy how many. It, 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 chances are, if you can think of a famous musician of the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years, Shervin has probably photographed. Alternative um, musician. So just a little background. Shervin's just a, like a legend honestly, in the, in the, in the photography. Jesse, Jesse did just say alternative musicians. Jesse wants to know that, that there's, (laughs) for some reason, only (laughs) alternative. That's a good caveat because I haven't shot. It's not even true. It's not true at all. You know, I haven't shot um, Ariana Grande and Taylor Swift. I I, I do primarily photograph either independent bands or alternative uh, bands. That is true. But, but, yeah, everything else sounds great. Thank you for that. I like that. How are people finding you now? Like, are you are you hustling? Are they coming to you? Um, what, what's it look like? What's a day in? What's a week in the life of Shervin right now? So I have some really great people that help me out. You know, just like you guys do. I have an agent and I have some. I have a manager and stuff. So there are people that 
pitch me, I guess, or a word of mouth. You know, I mean, this, you guys know this business is run by like six people. And, and four of them are on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we are the Illuminati. We, we run the music <laughs> business. We just can't get ourselves rich, but we, we, are, we are doing it for everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's word of mouth. It's fortunate happenstance. And yeah, it's just the people seeing my workplaces and, and giving me a chance. I mean, just like how you guys uh, found me. You know, same way. I mean, that, let's. I mean, yeah, let's go all the way back. We were we were in D.C. We were still in college. Yeah, and I remember it was a big decision for us because it was the first time we had paid for anything. I don't know what we paid you. One hundred fifty bucks, hundred bucks. Sure, but when you're twenty one, I mean, that's a million dollars. Also, with inflation, yeah, yeah. it's been so long. But it was a big deal for us. Yeah, that's true. Rent rent used to be four hundred. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we really debated. And then we uh, we got some like really iconic photographs out of that shoot i'm pretty sure the uh the outfits leave a bit to be desired <laughs> on our end yeah yeah yep. but didn't we draw the our instruments on the back of our hands no Wasn't that was that? that was like the fifth shoot the first one was the motel Damn. the motel sign oh yeah yeah yep. yeah, yeah the balloons the, yeah the drawing the drawing the instruments on your hands was the first time jukebox sold out upstairs at black cat it was the afternoon of that no way yeah, and it was a big deal because wow, the, good memory. Well, I remember it, it stuck it stuck out to me because I remember, you know, I'm from DC obviously, and so nobody played upstairs at Black Cat. Everyone played downstairs, everyone played DC nine. To play upstairs was a out of town band thing. It was a it was for Bright Eyes and The Faint and just the bands of that time that that were uh, didn't live in DC. So I remember when you guys did that, it was my first little like, oh, jukebox is um is like a headliner. I, I hadn't thought of you guys that way before because I, I, you know, I just didn't, when you know a band, you don't think that they're big. And then that, that was the day that you guys uh, sold out upstairs. And then maybe two years after that, you sold out 930 Club, maybe three years. I don't know. Shortly after. It took a couple of years, I think. But Yeah. But, but in DC, those are huge. Uh, I mean, those are the two benchmark places. And I remember we did photos before each of those big benchmark shows. So yeah, we, you know, by that point we had been shooting for a couple of years. Our first one was at a motel in Crystal City. Yeah, that's right. I remember with balloons. The balloons. The balloons set us like everything was sort of balloon themed for us for a while after that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Those photos got used a lot. You guys just got like a lot of press at that time, and I I remember it was the first time my stuff was like you know published and out, and it was uh, it was a really exciting time. I mean, you know, it's hard to remember it now, but that there was like. There was an energy in DC and there was an energy around certain bands at that time. And you guys were one of the few to like make it out of that bubble. You know, you were like ascending out of the DC thing and sort of going to other places, you know? Yeah, it is fun. That, like, and, and us and uh, I mean, Laura and Georgia yeah. James, I guess, were the other band that was doing. There was another great act out of DC that, that was like your Laura's like your best yeah. friend in at American? Were you all at American? Uh, Catholic. Right? Catholic. See you Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's where um, I met Laura. Yeah. Whoa. She was the, that was the first band I ever shot was Laura, Laura's solo stuff and then Georgie James. Yeah. And so you guys were honestly probably the fourth band I shot in my life. I mean, it, it was That's amazing. Really, really uh, early times. You always remember your fourth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How did you end up tour managing us? I don't actually remember. So that. I do, I do, I do remember. You, you have a, a very in- industrious manager named Seth, and Seth was obsessed with getting deals, as he, um, as he still is. And 
And he basically was like, yo, we got a photographer here and with a driver's license. Because he was always trying to get me to take live photos of you guys. And I, and I never did because I don't like doing that. And I think that he thought... Which is a huge bone of contention. Because yeah. you're literally at the venue. Yeah. You have a camera. Yeah. You could take three photos and be done. And you've never done it. And you won't do I it. I won't do it. And and I respect that now because I know I'm not good at it. I know I know it's not my strength. And I yeah. And then he he was like, "Do you want to go? Would you like go? They need a help. They need." A... I remember it was the it was the Ben Folds tour, right? That was the first yeah. time. It was Ben Folds and then Jenny. And so Seth was like, "They got these like twelve shows for with Ben Folds. This is spring 2009. Will you go drive with them and take pictures, document it, collect the money at the end? You know, really basic stuff. I mean, I didn't advance." any of the shows like I was really uh I was a kid at that time and so that's I started tour managing out of just pure necessity and I think that that Ben Folds tour was probably the biggest tour you guys had done at that, at that point oh, and sure. so I just think your management was like they need help someone go someone go with them well I get I, I think it actually may have originally came from our tour manager our uh, booking agent oh. who was like you have this is embarrassing, yeah, guys. Yeah. Like you're going on a national tour. You need a person. You have to hire help. <laughs> the three of you don't know what you're doing, so you should hire someone that also doesn't know what they're doing, and then the four <laughs> yeah. of you can just. You should like... hire someone that has never driven a van that big or across the country. Or I mean, God, you guys, it really it's crazy. Like when I think now about how we really were kids, who were just like it, it was like it's like if you gave a kid a credit card and said go go to L.A. like make it to L.A. and back. <laughs> And uh, we did. And I remember we remember we did those showcases in L.A. It was a whole thing. There, there was a whole uh, it was a time. It was a time when stuff was happening. My big memories of that is like we didn't I can't stress how much none of us knew what we were doing. This is our, we'd done like DIY like venues where if we got 20 people through the door between us and the other bands, we were thrilled. We were sleeping on floors, whatever. You came in, you're like. I'm coming, but we have to get a hotel. <laughs> and like, this isn't like I need my own hotel room. It's like, I think, were we all sharing one hotel room or did we get two? We must have. We stayed at a lot of how, I mean, for East Coast stuff, we stayed with Jesse's family. Yep. And then we stayed with Tommy's family in Virginia, in the South. So like we had somewhere in the North and then the South. Yeah. I mean, hotels were like, if we had to, if we were in somewhere, Ohio, we probably got two rooms and which was a huge expense. I, I think I remember the guarantees for Ben Folds, which were in, this is public, I can't say it, but I remember at the time being like, this is so much money. And now if I think about it, it's like, a j I mean, it was a joke. It was free. You guys did that tour for free, basically. And for those, I mean, that is sort of how it works. You do these shows for free yeah, for yeah. the fans and it worked out. Sure. But man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and and at Shervin, I'm pretty sure we paid you nothing. That's what it was. No. We didn't pay yeah. you. <laughs> Surprise. And so I, one of the things I remember on tour is that if you were in, like, if we could tell you were in a bad mood or tired, we were just like, we all kind of collectively would be like, we got to get Shervin some ice cream or Chipotle. <laughs> Honestly, it's the same way right in this moment. At this moment in my life, it's the same. And my favorite memory of trying to cheer you up with Chipotle. I don't know if you remember. Well, this, this. is a different, this is not the Ben Folds tour. The Jenny this is tour. The, this Jenny. Is Jenny, yeah. This is a later tour. Yeah. Yeah. We were driving through middle of nowhere in Texas. You were not having a good time. And we were just like, we love Sherv and we got to cheer him up. And so we secretly, when you, I think you went to the bathroom at a rest stop or something. And we, so we searched on our old GPS, which is like one of those physical. Like a Garmin. It was a company. An old Garmin. A Garmin. And we searched for Chipotle off the highway. And we found a Chipotle in their little 
antiquated GPS computer system and mapped ourselves to it on the way to Austin, Which, to Texas. be fair, we were so, we could not believe we found a Chipotle. We are so, so excited. Yeah, amazing. And we get to the exit with Chipotle and we get off and it's like literally a cattle road. <laughs> like it's a dirt road. And we, we, we had to lift a fence at some point. Well, I think, no, it's like, uh, so we, we, it was like a 10 minute drive off the highway. So we get off and Sherman's <laughs> like, where are we going? And we're like, oh, we got a surprise for you. Like, where are we going? What is this? We're like, no, this is going to be yeah. great. And then it's, it's Chipotle ranch. It's like an old rancher, like land that just is called Chipotle. And it was nothing. And, and, you were Yikes. not thrilled about that one. That is, it's crazy. <laughs> like, I, you know, it's it's so funny, you guys, how so many of my memories of that time are just us driving down 95 the wrong way oh. for miles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Miles. yeah. I remember that one. Three of us being like asleep and then, and then like, <laughs> well, what, let's, yeah. let's be very clear. You are driving here. <laughs> I was And asleep. you are tour I managing. No, I, that was, I take credit for that one. You were driving for We're that? talking about a, yeah, yeah. I don't remember who was driving, but I do remember being in the back seat and I had just put in a long shift getting from DC and we had gotten all the way into New Jersey. Yes. And then I remember switching over driving for that last leg to New York <laughs> and looking out the window and going, I think, we're, I think that's Baltimore again. <laughs> no, it was me. I, but yeah. sure. I think what happened is that. <laughs> I think I think I took over a shift from Sherbin. I I think like I was pilot. I had taken over. This is my fault, but it felt like Sherbin was somehow co-pilot still. It's not really your fault. It's mine. I literally got on 95 the wrong way after a rest stop. Like it was, you know how a lot of them like you get off 95 north and you can only go north. Yeah. This one gave you an option and I spaced out. I didn't have the GPS on. I was like, I got this. And and then there was Baltimore for the second time. <laughs> Crazy. I, I it's it's really it's a it's shocking that we didn't get like kicked off of the well the Ben Fold store specifically. I there was moments where I was like, we are gonna be asked to leave. You know, we will be asked to leave. We we are not, we won't be welcome here. Uh, you know, because we I just feel like there were so many things that we didn't know about touring and about touring in big yeah. rooms and about protocols and I remember, do you guys remember that arena college show? The big one in Boston? Yeah, where Lupe Fiasco was uh, sound checking around you. And I remember thinking like, this can't be right, right? Yeah, like, yeah. this can't be the way it goes. <laughs> like, we must have more rights than this. And I just remember like so many things that we just didn't speak up for. So we just got walked all over and we just like. But also we were we were late all the time. Yeah. And there was uh, Ben Folds, I think for many years had uh, a consistent tour manager who for whatever reason was not on this tour. So he got a substitute tour manager named Ashley. Who yeah. was this like older, super <laughs> crusty British yeah. dude. Um, who had just come off of uh, tour managing this, and I quote, talentless flash in the pan called Taylor Swift. He was like ragging on Taylor Swift. He was like, she's, you know, she's flashing the pan. She'll be gone next year, whatever. It's like jokes on that that guy. And he, you know, we would show up late. We wouldn't know where to load in. We didn't know what the what we were doing. And I just remember he always called you Sherman. Sherman. <laughs> Couldn't get your name right guy hated me that guy looked at me like how you look how like a lion looks at like a bug he just looked at me like what are you guys doing here who who allowed you to be i mean it was really like really hated us really and he kept saying to, i remember he would like pull you aside and be like sherman 
if you just try a bit harder, you could be a great tour manager. And I was like, he's like, I'm just here for the ice cream. <laughs> yeah, like, where's catering? Where, which way is catering? Yeah, it was it was a wild time. And I mean, we learned a lot. And I, and I definitely feel like that and then the Jenny tour right after it were two like of these wild experiences where things were happening for the band and things were just sort of forward momentum. I mean, I remember we went to Letterman, right? That was like around that time, schizophrenia at Letterman. Yep. Yeah. And you know, that big Bowery headlining show, there was just so much momentum happening. And I think when you're young, you have that sort of blind, like you just are going from the, every point to the next point. And it, I just remember there was no wisdom on, with any of us. We had no, we had 0% wisdom. We were just people moving through space and experiencing the impulses that were around us with sort of no foresight at all. But which is fun. I mean, that's fun when you're in your early 20s, right? I think. It was the only way to do it. Yeah. I will say there's there's one thing that we should, uh, we want to tell a little story and then maybe apologize for, but maybe not because it's still worth it. And I'm sure you recall, it's April 1st and we are in Orlando and your favorite artist Full stop at this point is Regina Spector. <laughs> yeah. You love Regina Spector. All you want, you haven't, now you're like, you know, I, I think you do you live together. You're, you're like very <laughs> yeah. good friends. She's right hey, here. Regina. Yeah, she's right here. <laughs> but uh, we decided for April Fools with our dear manager, Seth, to tell you that we got offered an opening slot for Regina Spector in the spring, which was not true, but I've it was an April I've never been joke. so mad and in my Seth life. And Seth called and told you, and, and within minutes, you are like calling up, I don't know what you had planned, but you were like canceling tours or shoots? Yeah, because, because you know what he said? He was like, this. he was like, something amazing happened. They got this <laughs> tour and it, it starts the day this tour ends. So don't go home. Like, you're not going home. You're all going from like Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> yeah, you're going from like the last show in Alabama no. and you're starting the Regina tour. And I just, I remember just <laughs> leaping around the Hard Rock Live in Orlando, jumping around being like, this, this nothing tour is going to, you know, I was like shitting on the current tour. We were like, we're going to get off this shit show and get on a real tour with a real artist. <laughs> and I think you guys let me do a couple laps around the around the audience the house. It was a couple minutes. I remember seeing you yeah. just jumping for joy at like right around the in Orlando studios. That was rough. That was that was the night I discovered Adderall. That was the night where I <laughs> was so depleted. I was so emotionally betrayed that i started doing pills i started pills that night wow you know revoking a good thing for april fools uh, there was a video there's probably multiple of these but i saw a video of a family like giving their dad a fake winning lottery ticket that's a good one brutal brutal the dad is obviously like, crying the dad is like this is going to change my life this is going to fix everything it's awful and then the family has to go like just kidding. It's cruel. Ultimately, pranks are not funny. They're cruel. <laughs> they're mean and they're cruel. Yeah. And that guy's addicted to Adderall now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, every, the only way to cope with your friends betraying your trust is to sort of take um, amphetamine pills. The yeah. irony is like, you like Adderall, Love now, it. need Adderall, and yeah, have been yeah. diagnosed. Now, but as a result of that prank probably is the trauma that started <laughs> that. So thanks. Thank you for a, a lifetime of productivity and grinding my teeth. <laughs> grinding my jaw, biting my nails. Yeah, it, and also what's funny is at that time, I hadn't really shot any bands besides you and some DC bands. And so, you know, I probably could have used that time really growing a portfolio and sort of like getting my career started. But instead, I was just being lied to by Seth um, in our Florida, in Orlando. I mean, 
You just described our career. So. <laughs> uh. That's funny. Speaking of our career, do you remember my favorite thing Sherbin has ever said to me in the in the tour van was we were on our way to 930 Club. I think it was a sold out show or something. And I like really wanted to get an oil change. Oh, my God. No, no, no. You you didn't really want to get oil change. I was like, we have all to. You talk, it's all you spoke of from the time we sat in the van. <laughs> Was there was this one oil change place <laughs> that you loved, and you almost yeah. had a Rain Man like fixation on it. You were like, "Oil change, oil change, oil change," and it was like, not, it was out of the way. We didn't really need one. It was a wild, it was a wild moment for you. It was. Do you remember what you said? Did I did I call you um, on the spectrum or something? You said, did I say something offensive? No, no, no. You said oh, something great, saying? but you said. He said, this is the biggest night of your stupid career and you want to get an oil change? It's so oh. true. I feel like we were late. We were running late for, yeah, I mean, nine, you guys, to, to anyone listening, 930 Club in DC is the ultimate. Uh, like it's where every, I mean, I saw no doubt there. I saw, I saw every band played 930 Club and these guys were headlining it, selling it out. And Jesse's just absolute obsession with stopping this trip. All right. I I wasn't obsessed. It, to the, if I yelled at you, then you were then you were obsessed. If I had to yell that, if I had to call your career stupid, then it was uh, it was an obsession. <laughs> Look, this podcast is too young for me to fight with my guests. You are absolutely right. <laughs> I was doing lights for you guys at that point. I had transitioned uh, into light. Remember, remember my is lights there, period. Is there anything you haven't done for us? No. Oh, honestly, <laughs> truly, from selling merch. Carrying stuff, taking photos, and I did lights for a good year. A year for jukebox, I did there. Uh, leaving them in the dark during static. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So if you if you if you ever <laughs> caught any of those shows um, to the people out here, if you ever caught them between 2010 and 2012, and the whole show was just strobe lights, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what it really is though. For all these years, we just kept hiring you to do things you weren't qualified to do. No, I just kept doing things and nobody that, stopped me. Because you, you do have that confidence. So that, do you feel like that helped you early on with photography too? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the first you know, five or six years I, I was doing anything creative. I had the absolute blind confidence that only a young person can have. I was sure that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I was sure that I would work. I mean... When I tell you that looking at a, a venue's lighting board is so intimidating when you have no technical skill, I remember I, every show I had to ask the house light guy to put down tape and label like red, blue. I mean, it, people looked at me like I was crazy. And, and I really, I really, but, but at the time I was like, no, you know, good day has to be yellow. It has to all be yellow and it has to be swirling yellow and static has to be red. And so I just feel like when you're sure of something and you're stubborn enough to do it, I feel like the people around you sort of let you do it and it works. It works when you're um, a confident young person, I think. Now, now I would be arrested for that, you know. It would be like um, due to the lighting board. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, I gotta say, from from an external perspective, I just feel like your photography career has just been like this incredible stratospheric journey and such a joy to watch unfold. But I'm curious if there was a point at which you felt like you had made it, like as a photographer, like was there someone that you photographed, you were like, I've made it. So you know what's so weird about that is I'm sure any of the artists that you talk to will say what I'm about to say, which is when you're in it, you are just experiencing moment by moment, right? You're experiencing every little stress and anxiety that comes with it everything good mm -hmm. 
and you guys know this, right? Like something happens, you get to play on TV, you get to do something big, and all your mind and your ego can do is focus on the problem of it and focus on what is the challenge of it. So it's like, it's rare in my life that I've had the perspective to take a step back and be like, wow, I'm shooting a really big band. This is so cool. I've made it. I think that thought is corrosive to the creative process. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that thinking that takes you completely out of the moment of what you're doing. That being said, uh, about maybe two and a half years ago, I got to shoot The Killers. And I remember there was like a moment where they were, you know, they were in these suits and I, and I had a really limited time with them. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, this is like a movie, like, this is like that scene in Almost Famous where the kid is led through the backstage corridor to the band. And I, ha- I did have a moment of uh, self-awareness of like, I'm shooting a band that people love. I'm shooting a band that I love. And they have allowed me to and they've chosen me. And wow, this is so cool. I hope I don't mess it up. But, but you can only really let yourself think that for maybe four seconds, right? Because yeah, right. You, you will crumble during that. So yeah, I mean, the long of it is that it's never good to think that, but sometimes you think that and you go, holy shit, like I really, but, but also it just comes with anxiety, right? You have that thought and you're like, well, now I have to do good because I've been given that, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've made it. Now, now there's pressure, you know? I think when I was younger, I, I, had, I was so big for my britches because I had nothing to live up to. I was just, whatever I did that was good was good. But, you know, the the more you go along, you guys know this, right? Like the more shows you play and the more people like you, you have a sort of obligation to be good. And that can be uh, suffocating sometimes. Yeah, I think think only recently I started accepting the idea that you're always going to see yourself as not having arrived. (laughs) Always. And that that's actually actually healthy because it, it keeps you striving and it keeps you trying to challenge yourself and get better but it is there is a very weird feeling when like i don't i've been jesse i don't know if you guys are this way like i'm never actually fully satisfied with something i've created whether it's artwork or music like what six months later i'm usually dissatisfied by it and i've learned to accept that that's like good like that means you're continuing to progress right yeah and and a really comforting thing for me is realizing that every artist at every level feels like someone is racing past them Every artist at every level, I I have, you guys, I can't tell you the experiences I've had where I've been shooting somebody who is objectively, absolutely killing this game and, and out of the corner of my ear, hearing them talk to their manager and being like, well, Bonnie Vera is playing four nights at Radio City. We're only doing two, you know, and just (laughs) in that moment, just being like, wow, it never, it never ends. Right. Nobody ever goes, I've made it, I've done it, this is it. And so that comforts me because I know that if I feel that and you guys feel that and every band I've ever shot feels that, then it, it's, a, it's a naturally occurring thing for creative people to, to sort of be convinced that you missed your train, that you missed the boat, that, that young people are flying ahead of you. It's all of that exists for people playing 200 cap rooms and people playing 5,000 cap rooms. And I like that. It's a, it's equalizing in a way. It's so brutal and it's so true. Yeah. 
Well, hello, everybody. This is Ben Thornwell from Famous. You just heard me talking earlier, seconds earlier on the podcast. This is an ad break, but it's unique because it's not MailChimp, which hasn't even paid me to make that joke, unfortunately. Uh, I'm here to let you know that tickets are on sale for Halloween 2023. Uh, If you don't know what that is, we do a full set of Jukebox the Ghost and then a set of music as Queen in full costume and character. And we are bringing the show to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Austin, Carborough, and Baltimore, all in October. It's going to be great. Uh, Picture this voice with a mustache and a Freddie Mercury outfit and an absolutely impeccable English accent. If you are listening to this episode after October of 2023, the cities no longer apply to you, but I'm sure we're doing Halloween this year too, so go get those tickets as well. Also, we are launching the Jukebox the Ghost Patreon. Can you believe it? We have famous bonus episodes, content, Jukebox the Ghost Discord, early demos, videos, recordings, MP3s, all sorts of fun stuff. We're really excited to have that going. Um, So please go and check it out and join us there. Uh, regardless, we really appreciate your support, all of your five, four, and two-star reviews, and we are just super grateful for all of our listeners. So without further ado, here's some more Famish. You've been shooting long enough that there's like cultural shifts in the artists and the sort of people that you're working with. Are shoots with like younger artists that are just coming up, do they feel different? Like in terms of like people, they're used to being in front of the camera. They're used to like, they know what they're supposed to look like. Is there like different like self-branding or imaging? Does it, yeah. I don't know, is, is there a difference? There might not be, but it just occurred to me that they're like, from a cultural standpoint, we've been in the game for a long time. And I know, I didn't know what even to think about with a camera to begin with, but. Yeah, no, it's really interesting that it's a, it's a good question because I, I, do, I, sh- I shoot a lot of young bands and something I notice now with young bands is that they are hyper, hyper aware of their aesthetic, which is not a thing that we grew up with um, worrying about. You know, bands that came up when we came up were not, you never heard someone talk about their brand or their aesthetic or their mood board or anything. And now you have a sort of generation of young kids who have spent all of their lives on Instagram. You know, they they spent their childhood on Instagram. So they think in squares and they think in... um, they think about how the feed, how the grid looks and how the feed looks and that informs how they want to be photographed. Ultimately, I think at the end of the day, everybody who I'm shooting wants to just look good and, and look um, like they're not trying too hard. That has never changed. And I think that's been from the beginning of all of this. Um, but I do, I do notice that people come in with creative directors now and they come in with like, you know, they want to look weird. They want to look strange. They, they want it to be blurry. They, you know, I think when I started like, if I'd ever turned in a blurry photo to a label or a publicist, I would absolutely be fired. <laughs> and now yeah. it's like, I mean, there's people who are like, I want my face completely. I want you to take a thing and blur it so that it's unrecognizable. Honestly, I've always thought as your pictures of, as are particularly blurry. <laughs> yeah. I just, I was ahead of my time. I just think you've just <laughs> been ahead of the yeah. game. You know, I was aesthetic before there was aesthetic. <laughs> there is kind of, I looking back, we grew up in a strange time that I don't think has been repeated before or since during which bands that I liked anyway, that I was growing up with, it was seen as actually uncool to, to look fashionable or to care about how you looked like it was lame. And so I definitely, I I had a hard time like taking photos at all or dressing up like, well, I mean, God, yeah. I mean, especially the DC bands back in the times, I mean, God, if, if someone showed up to a shoot of mine 12 years ago with a stylist, I would I would laugh out loud. 
I mean, it would be so silly. It would be, it would be um, like, who is this? What are you, a model? Are you, is this an H&M campaign? <laughs> like, what are we shooting? Yeah. Because, you know, I was shooting the, the DC bands that you guys were playing with. Um, Travis Morrison and the Smemberman Plan and, and those, um, all those bands of that time. And, and what's changed now culturally is like, now every young person has their friend, Julie, who styles them. And they have their friend, Marcus, that does all their graphic design. And they have their creative director, that also did this and everything is much more people are like small companies now whereas i think when we started you guys just needed a photo because you needed a photo you know the band's image didn't depend on that balloon photo it just yeah. it happened to work and be incorporated in but yeah it's 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 more intense now it's more nuanced but that's going to swing that's going to swing back again it, it it's a pendulum right i mean there will come a time again where it's uncool to dress in expensive clothing and it's uncool to try now we're in a time where it's very cool to try to make a deliberate photo that that feels like something in a magazine. Mm-hmm. Do you think when it swings back, you'll have figured out the focus on your camera? I'll, I'll, <laughs> honestly, I'll be I'll be dead. I'll be dead. Be I would have died. <laughs> yeah, I'll be old. By the way, are you are you much of a, a like a, a gearhead with cameras? No, like- you know what's crazy is like the, so. The more and more I've gone on in this job, I have met many photographers and even people who've assisted for me, and almost without fail, every time they are shocked at how little i know about cameras and how little gear i have and how technically unsavvy i continue <laughs> to be in my late 30s yeah that's awesome though i mean it's proof that you're you're catching a vibe you know what i mean like you, you know that it's more than just the technique i mean like the the greatest guitarist doesn't have to play the greatest guitar like that's yeah. like if you play guitar you know the guitar is like one percent of the execution yeah i mean literally like uh, this girl jenny that assists for me constantly is like yeah she'll, she'll be like your your iso is wrong like we'll be at a shoot we'll be at a shoot for like a that's like important and she'll uh you know she'll be like whatever changing my battery and she'll look at my she'll look down at the camera and be like this settings the settings are wrong for this and i'll be like word she'll be like word and i'll be like oh we'll change it change it please <laughs> you know obviously change it and she's like okay and then, you know I, I felt that a lot in my in my life of a young person who went to college for photography, someone who studied photography. It looks at me like, how are you doing? Like, how did you, how are you chosen for this? And and I've come to sort of like that feeling because it gives me something to prove and it gives me like a, a little bit of resistance to push, push against. And I, I like that. It's fun. I was just remembering the one time that you actually, you had me as your assistant. I don't, do you remember this? No. <laughs> You were shooting They Might Be Giants oh and you knew God. that I was a fan and you were like, do you want to be my assistant for the day? And I was like, well, I don't know anything. And you were like, it's fine. Just come along. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. And so I just came along and hung out for the day and it took, I would say it took until halfway through the day for like one of the Johns <laughs> to be like, so what are you doing? This is my, uh, this is my Tommy. He comes everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, nothing. I'm just asking you questions about flood. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that's also funny because when I started to shoot like older bands, like older, more like established or whatever iconic bands, I remember the, a couple of them. Be, I I think I was shooting like Joan Jett or something or, or someone like older, and and then I remember they were just like, "How long have you been doing this?" And I and I and I remember thinking like fifteen years, <laughs> and just like thinking, "Oh yeah, like they're used to shooting with like big, you know, photo like real photographers, people who." can open a camera and take every part out and put it back together. And so my my crude lighting setup and my sort of like one or two things seems silly to them. 
And but yeah, I've I've come to really I've come to like that. And I think that the bands get a kick out of it too because if the photo's good, the photo's good. They don't they don't care, you know. And and they might be giants is a great example of like just two nerds who were like down for whatever, you know, as long as they look good in the photos, you know. I feel like in the early days for maybe mostly for the artist's benefit, but also for your for our mutual benefit. It seemed like there was probably like coaching was probably a natural yeah. part of like a shoot. Like you'd be like, hey, look relaxed or, you know, laugh at each other. All the like tropes of bands. But my question is, do you do that anymore? And with the bigger artists, do you do you ever do that? You probably don't, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I probably don't because I think a, a big band means that they've been photographed a lot and they, they know how to stand with each other. They know how to they know how to take up space and, and they un, they understand how close they have to be together. I think a, a huge part of shooting bands is just begging them to get closer together because, you know, men, men generally don't want to stand right next to each other. <laughs> it's funny. I think as soon as you show a band that, that they're in good hands, that, that you're not going to make them look stupid. I think they relax their, their shoulders relax, their jaw relaxes. People hold tension in, in pretty much universally the same places in their bodies, right? And so I think in the early days, because I was I was shooting people who weren't photographed a lot, I had to be like really tell them how to like hold their mouth and, and how to hold their shoulders. But now most people I've shot have been photographed before. I, I rarely shoot people who have never been at a shoot. So yeah, I think that that gets less and less as I go. But it is it's real. I mean, you know, it's very easy to look uncomfortable in a photo. I mean, it's remarkably easy to, to look tense and to look like your stare is wrong. I feel like this is actually your superpower, right? This the your ability to diffuse or make people comfortable. And you have that, you know, whether you use it for good or for evil, that feeling yeah. like everyone is your best friend. Like when when you spend time, if anyone's ever shot with Shervin, unless it went horribly wrong, in which case send an email to famouspod at gmail.com, you leave there feeling like your friends, you had a good time. It wasn't just transactional. Yeah, I mean, it has to be because uh, I think when I was when I was pretty young, I realized how wildly unnatural it is to hold a camera this close to someone's face that you don't know. It's aggressive. You know, you're you're pointing a machine at somebody, and the person that you're shooting can't see what it looks like. So I think I figured that out pretty early, and I thought, oh God, if I, if that if that was me, I would be really nervous because I don't know this guy. So I, I always went out of my way to like sit with the band first and talk to them if I can and just let them know like, yeah, you're not going to look bad. My only objective here is for you not to look stupid in these photos. And that relaxes people because it's a really unnatural thing to do to stand in a room with someone and take their picture is like that doesn't occur in nature anywhere. You know that that ancient tribes didn't do that. So it's not really a part of our uh, skill set. Did you get into doing photography because you loved music and it was a way in? Yeah. I've only ever shot bands. I've only ever shot music. And it started like with you, you know, with what I did with you guys of just wanting to be a part of a, a band's uh, world without having to play music. You know, like I, I used to sell merch. I used to carry stuff, whatever I could do. And, and I sort of figured out that taking a photo of the band was the quickest and most efficient way to contribute to their project. It was the most direct line, right? So it's like, I could be a publicist or a manager or whatever, but that felt so vague. It's like, what do they even do? But taking a photo was like, I can give a band something physical. I can, I can take a photo of you, give it to you, and you can use it. Felt so um, big in the in the scheme of the project. It felt like I could really 
work with bands. And so, yeah, I just, I taught myself how to take pictures just so I could be near bands. Did you have to live the nightmare of 2020 and early 2021 where did you have to do any Zoom photography sessions? No, you know, what's so funny is like, I remember March or April, a couple of emails came that were like, hey, you know, people are, I think like someone famous did a Zoom shoot or something. And then that that made everyone get the idea. And I remember my entire, I've never had like a full body no. And it, it felt like it's, it felt like such a violation. It's like, you know, when you don't give consent to something and your whole being just like goes, no, 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 not for me. No, this is wrong. I had that. I had that about, I only got, I asked, got asked twice and I, it was a no. I, well, I say this as a compliment. You don't seem like a Zoom photo session person. Thank you. Thank you. I, it would look so bad. It would look so dumb. It's such a bad idea. Well, so what would it be? You'd, just, you, you'd be there and be like, okay, just guys stand closer together. Yeah. I'm eating during right. it. Yeah, grab, the, <laughs> grab that apple or something. It's, and... it's just like, guys, don't do a photo. It's okay. It's not, uh, this isn't surgery. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. You don't need to, you don't need to be perceived <laughs> and photographed at every moment. Like, take this summer off. Think about what you're doing. <laughs> And when it's time to take photos again, take photos. But um, it's it's not worth it. I mean, it's it's uh, and and no band or singer needs that that bad, needs a photo that bad. It's just not that deep. Did your career take any kind of a hit when Apple came out with uh, portrait mode? Ah, so or were you able to just navigate through? That? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something funny about that. I was on a date once, and the person. I was on a date with. <laughs> Sherman just winked for everyone. I did not. I did not. I did not. I, Im- I implying that it wasn't a person. <laughs> yeah, the llama that I was on a date with. I was on a date with someone, and then uh, we're talking about my work, and I and the, this person, in in their infinite wisdom, said like, "Oh, I love these colors. Like, what what filter do you use, and and what are you? What phone do you use for these?" <laughs> and I and I had I had a really it was it was my only um, out of body experience where I thought I. I, I ascended above the table and I looked down and I thought, I'm going to stand up and leave this restaurant because how do I explain to another person that I that these aren't pictures with my phone? And so, yeah, basically, uh, this culture of phones has ruined my life. Uh, and and everyone is a photographer now and it's so bad. And I, I can't wait for phones to be like implanted in our heads or whatever, whatever that we're not carrying something that makes people feel like they're um, taking pictures. Next question. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know. I had no idea it would actually be so threatening. Yeah. Well, it's not threatening. It's just, you know, you're imagine like, if, you're, you're like the grocery clerk who doesn't want the automated, automated uh, thingamajig. It's, it's like if you played a demo for someone and they're like, uh, oh, did AI make this? You're like, no, I made this, you piece of shit. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty tough. Should we do a segment? Let's do a segment. Yeah. What segment would we like to do? We normally uh, solicit uh, tour horror stories. That's been thoroughly covered at this point. That's been covered because every day is a nightmare with Sherman Lena's. <laughs> Certainly everyday traveling with me is a waking nightmare. <laughs> Side note, uh, speaking of horror stories, I have an actual horror story in that we were in Arizona at that haunted hotel. Yes. Do you remember? And as oh, a yeah. tour story. You're on an endless highway, heading into Ohio. You hear the chilling whisper of Ira Glass on the radio. We have uh, stories today about unpredictable kinds of things that can happen. It's three hours past midnight, you shiver as you realize your fate. 
On this never-ending tour there's no exit And you regret the slimy, scary, hairy, greasy, pre-wrapped truck stop sausage biscuit thing you ate Horror story We were walking, uh, I'm gonna ignore that we were walking around the halls of a haunted hotel being scared. And I, and I roomed with Ben that night and we heard shuffling of feet on carpet. And Ben just said, Shervin, lay completely still and go to sleep. The sun will come up. It will be fine. And I, and I took that advice. But if you move, they're going to get you. Yeah, it, it felt like that. So yeah, that, that's a horror story. But, but do, your, do the thing you were going to do. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, so um, we're going to ask you what your favorite one-hit wonder is. I wrote one good song, took it straight to the top. I only wrote one good song, then my band got dropped. (laughs) (laughs) Yikes. Okay. That's great. That was actually great. That's under 20 seconds, so that should be your favorite song. That was really good. Um, my favorite one hit wonder, well, there's only, there's an objective right answer to this, which is, uh, you get what you give by the new radicals, right? Oh, that's so that's true. That's a good choice. Woo! This is the original. It's five one, minutes long. Two! Oh, wait, not yet. What? I thought it was there, too. One. So what's my favorite part about this song is that when I was in middle school or whatever, when this came out, I remember the bridge where he says, um, Courtney Love and Marilyn Manson, you're all fakes, run to your mansions. Remember that? And I remember it was the first time in a, in a song I heard a call out, like someone's name specifically that was another person in the industry. And I remember thinking it was the single coolest thing I've ever heard because for a pop song to name other pop artists in a defamatory way was revolutionary at that time. I mean, I, I can't think of a, another time that had been done then. I think um, I think New Radicals, Get What You Give is such a good song. It's such a good pop song. It's the true essence of a one-hit wonder because truly we wonder like what happened. I mean, they they had a huge song and then and then went away. And it's a great pop song. It's really, really. The video is so good. I, I, did, did you have the album? The album's great too. No, I didn't. I mean, they, I didn't even know they had an album. I, if you told me they just sold singles, I would have believed you. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great album. I mean, it's got the whole record sounds like that. It's got this like big rolling. Did they tour? Do you think they toured? They must have. I, I, they must. I, must have. I don't know. You don't have a song like that and and not yeah. tour. What a what a big. It, it sounds like a song from yeah. an already big band. It sounds like. The next song from a huge... It sounds like U2's next song. It had that kind of energy. And then, yeah, went, went nowhere. So that's my, that's, my, that's my pick. You've made a lot of references today that, like, they are not recent. They're not, like, fresh. Do you ever listen to yourself and go, fuck, I'm old? <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. Talking yeah. about dismemberment plan, new radicals. They always go together. I'm hyper aware. Here's late thirties is a weird time because we are well, me, I'll speak for myself. I am on the cusp of being like the first truly old age, which is 40. 40 is the first adult age, right? It's the first, like, if you ask a kid, 
what's old, they'll say 40. <laughs> See, I, th- I think the kid, I think kids will say 30. Oh my God. Well, it depends on how young the kid is, but yeah. I pass out. I think, I think everyone agrees about 40 though. <clears throat> 40 feels significant. And if, and so I am, I am aware of my age and, I, and I'm acutely aware of it when I talk about 2006, seven and eight, because it doesn't seem like that was as long ago. And, but it truly was a different America. I mean, it was a different time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, uh, I feel those years. You guys, what about you? You guys, you guys feel the years or you still feel young? I'm still in my twenties. So I feel pretty, (laughs) I feel good. Fair. Well, I feel young, but, but I asked it because like hearing some of these references today, they're just all of a sudden it's like, whoa, we've really known each other for like a long time. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, very long time. You were pretty much in our band for a little while. Yeah, we went to South By to get. Remember South By? I remember South By. When I yelled at Seth. <laughs> what did, wait, what did you yell at Seth? I Why don't... did you yell at Seth? I don't remember that. <laughs> he, didn't get me a, he didn't get me the level of wristband I wanted, and I got mad at him, and I, I sort of stormed away. Oh, that's right. That makes sense. I bet he had that wristband, though, didn't he? Of course he did. <laughs> Seth gets everything. Seth gets everything <laughs> Seth wants. And leave this in. Leave this in. <laughs> Seth is is a is a is a longtime fan, longtime listener. Long time, yeah. <laughs> long time. All all five episodes. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, we we've it's been a long it's been a long run. I mean, I haven't really known except for Laura. I haven't known a band as long as I've known you guys, and and certainly most bands that started when we started are not bands anymore. It's true. Like really not bands. I mean, you guys have stuck around longer than all those DC bands that I that I started shooting. It's crazy. And you've stuck around longer than than all the other photographers we've worked with. What Seth's wife and me? Who else? Who's who's who? Who are you always super threatened by? <laughs> Eric Ryan Anderson, my nemesis. We did one photo shoot. Yeah, Eric Ryan. He if if you all want to see a truly a truly exceptional photographer, look up Eric Ryan Anderson. <laughs> you you guys want to know how much I hate this guy? Is my parents know about him. <laughs> my parents know the name Eric Ryan Anderson. Was there someone that you worked with? in your career that made your parents go like, oh, Shervin's a professional photographer? Um, well, I, when I started doing stuff for Sarah Bareilles right when she started to be on like TV a lot. And I think that like she was on Good Morning America oh, and my parents nice. watched that. That was big for them. I shot Bonnie Raitt and my parents love Bonnie Raitt. Um, a co- it's like, it's like that. It's people who are either in the culture right now. Like when, I remember when I did all the Walk the Moon stuff, my parents like they were like, oh my god they play that on the radio like whenever they have some cultural understanding of a band and you just to be clear you had that you had the album cover right i did yeah i had the shut up and dance whatever that song was yeah and um so it's it's stuff like that where they're like oh this is um this is a job but yeah they, they've been really good about you know they they keep up to date but th- there wasn't really a moment there i think they just started to see that i was like shooting some album covers and that started to make them think that I think the, the, um, Regina's uh, album cover was like the Apple iPod. They were introducing the new iPod and like they used her cover in it. And we were in the mall one day in Fairfax, Virginia. And in the Apple store in the window was that picture. And I think right then my mom was like, oh, his photos are going places. And I think that, so little, little stuff like that along the way. Do you have, I have to ask, do you have a billboard tally? No, but that would be so cool. Like it's happened a couple times. Most billboards are your photos now. No, no. (laughs) Like separate photos that you've seen on a billboard. Like the you did that Jesus saves billboard, right? Because I've seen that around. Yeah. Have you ever photographed a baby? No. Do you know of one I can get access to? I mean, just go on the street. You're 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 in Brooklyn, right? Go on the street, find a baby. Yeah, yeah. I've had a bunch of cool Times Square photos. 
but I don't keep a tally. I no do, baby. And no baby. I do go and take pictures of them when they are up. What's the oldest person you've ever taken a photo of? Bonnie Ray is old. <laughs> Bonnie oh, Ray. No, uh, oh, uh, uh, Lindsay Buckingham. Lindsay Buckingham, I think, is like 76 or something. Okay. Oh, yeah. Nice. I have a couple other like quick quick fire questions yeah, yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah. Are you still a seamless elite member? <laughs> yeah. No. I, okay, guys, check this out. You want to hear what an absolute pig capitalist I am? I have upgraded to Caviar, which is like Seamless's older bitchy brother. And uh, Caviar just charges you a lot more for the same thing. And But the app is nicer. So I do that. This episode brought to you by Caviar, the bitchy older brother of Seamless. It's true. It's the same, but more expensive. <laughs> you want to waste money, join our app. If you want to just waste your money, yeah. Who is your favorite artist to shoot? Probably a girl. Probably one of the girls that I take pictures of. Who is your least favorite artist to shoot? Jesse's solo project in 2017. <laughs> when did Jukebox the Ghost stop being your favorite band? 2012. When do you think Jukebox the Ghost will once again become your favorite band? 2026. Okay. What's the hottest piece of goss you've gotten this year? About what? About bands? I don't, you just sit, you know, you make everybody comfortable and they're like, you know. They tell me stuff. Uh, yeah, tell me stuff, baby. So you want, me, you want me to ruin all that by saying it on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Well, no one listens to it, so it's still secret. True, true. Bonnie Raitt writes us a lot. She's a big fan. So <laughs> she, does. she writes into the email. That's, that could really get awkward for you. You don't have to answer that. Oh, I, I got one. I got one. Really? AJR are Nepo babies, and no one knows that about them. <laughs> Absolute rich kids. Like, you would not believe. Like, ge- like wild generational wealth. Truly wild. <laughs> There you go. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. The people need to know it, Sherp. Um, look, we've we've held you hostage for an hour. Yep. Is, <laughs> yep. Yep. Is there, is there anything that you would like to say or have the people know before we part ways? Yeah, I would say Justice for Postcard. That song should have done better. Yeah. Mm. Hot take. I think the, the song that Jesse sings two albums ago, Justice for That. Hollywood? No, no, no. The one, the, the interlude that you sing by yourself. What's he talking about? Well, if it's on our most recent, it's a uh, raise a glass interlude. Raise a glass interlude should have had a video. Okay. Hot take, hot take. Yeah, yeah. I still, oh, I love listening to the live Jukebox the Ghost album. The way that it's sequenced and laid out, I love the flow of that. Yeah. And, I, and I listen to that, I would say once a month, I listen to that entire thing front to back. I love that album. No, you don't. No joke. No joke at all. Wow. I love how it sounds. Thanks, man. What else do I want to leave you with? Formative years we spent together. I made some videos for this band that no one seems to want to talk about. Oh, we didn't talk about the no videos. No one really wants to acknowledge my work in that space, well, which is cool. Anyway, that's the episode. Thank you all so much. For- <laughs> if you want to, if you want to YouTube uh, schizophrenia or Victoria. Well, yeah. Let's just sure, that Victoria music video. Yikes. That was pretty good. Yikes! That one's bad, but schizophrenia is good because of the effects. Effects were good. Fair. And because we got some crazy, that was, we got some extras. Yeah, on that. yeah. We hired these, you know, $100, $200 a day out-of-work actors to come. Day, day players. We call them day players. Day players. Yeah, we shot at the Bell House. We rented the Bell House. It was wild. That yeah. was wild. That was a good shoot. That was a good shoot. I also love that video where you guys are like on the boardwalk. Somebody. Yeah. You were there. I was there for that. Yeah. I was, I think I was there for a bunch of your music videos. You were just there to, you were just like styling and helping and like moving the crazy I was just taking pics. Yeah, yeah, I took some pics. 
Um, yeah, what a life. What a life we've all had. I remember Lauren Kellen's photos from that day being really good. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> they were so really... beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, you have been a music director, a tour manager, a photographer, yeah. a merch seller. Trusted friend. A lighting designer, yeah. a decent friend. Decent. Uh, a wingman, a wingman, a wingman. A wingman, a wingman, and a wingman. You know what I mean, Ben. Yeah, you, you put me into a two-year relationship. Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah, on against your will. Yep, that with was... the absolute loony bin, with the loony tunes. Not getting that. The cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, young woman who was pretty. So you ignored all of the. I'm not going on the record for she was pretty. Put leave this in. Leave it in. Story story of my life. No right. No. Also, Kelly, who's my wife, my current wife. She says hi. Much better choice. You really. It took you a minute, but you really got there. Yeah. And let's. Can we just before we go publicly acknowledge Tommy's absolute blockbuster side career as a illustrator and a writer and a book author bookmaker i have his book order his book right now yes <laughs> it's called i hope this helps is the first one great great book it's worth whatever it costs i got it for free <laughs> oh and uh ben's uh, tiktok absolutely blowing yep. up whatever jesse's doing morrissey covers <laughs> go go listen to the morrissey covers that jesse's doing oh my god on twitter <laughs> america your belly is too big all right cut me off cut me off cut me off guys all right cut me Sherman, off. you're the best we love you Love you guys too. Photographer of Cheers and Off to the Races by Jukebox the Ghost and so many other True. covers and billboards and bands. So many. Well, that, to describe what he, we, this is a podcast. So you, even though you're showing people pictures of things. Well, the video clip you take from it should be this. It's really pixelated and honestly, your camera work is shoddy. Wow. So. It's a bunch of bands. You kind of hold the phone like a 75-year-old talking to their grandkids. Well, I told you I'm aging. Well, go to my Instagram and find me there. Yep. Stream Jukebox the Ghost. Only the live album, though, because it's really, it has all the song. It has all the songs that you need for that band. Great. And everybody, shervinphoto.com. And that's a photo for some reason with an F. Who knows? No no one will know. Yeah. That. No one knows. And in my mind, every time we've said photo, I've thought of it with an F this whole hour. See, that's called branding, sweetie. It's called a brand. <laughs> yep. It's called how you brand. It is. It's called marketing. It's true. When Shervin takes a photo, it's it's got an F in front of it for sure. Yep. Guys, have a good night. Thanks for having me on. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Love you, Shervin. Love you too. Bye. 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 Pretty soon I'm gonna be famous, a little more famous than you. Certain people will greet my name with a proud and mighty boom. And one glorious day my songs will be played at an airport chili's too. Why, yes, I'm gonna be famous, and you can be famous too.